This is episode number 255 with Lorraine Murphy. The Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Lorraine Murphy is an award-winning entrepreneur, best-selling author, and speaker. She started her first business, The Remarkables Group, in her spare bedroom in 2012, and that business went on to secure multi-million dollars in turnover. During her time in that business, she was named as one of BRW's Fast Starters, Entrepreneur of the Year, Emerging Agency of the Year, Content Marketer of the Year, and Australia Startup of the Year as well as being a finalist for the Telstra Business Awards. Lorraine has featured frequently in media, including The Project, Sunrise, The Today Show, Sydney Morning Herald, Collective Hub, Marie Claire, Sky News, ABC News, and The Australian. In December 2017, Lorraine sold The Remarkables Group in order to focus on her soul-on-fire work, which is writing, speaking, and mentoring. As well as one-on-one mentoring, she has trained brands including Uber, Westpac, Woolworths, and Primark. She has published three books, Remarkability, Get Remarkably Organized, and her latest book, which is called Baby, You're Remarkable. And in today's episode, we chat about how to blend babies and business, and can we actually do it? why we need to be more mindful of our words, the power of organization and having a support network to thrive in both family life and business life, the truth about mum guilt and how to let it go, what is your soul on fire work? I loved her take on this. How to surround yourself with high vibe people, how to make a relationship thrive, what she attributes her success to, plus so much more. This episode is jam-packed with nuggets of wisdom. You are going to want to grab your pen and paper. Trust me. And for everything that we mention, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 255. And before we dive into today's epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week it comes from Robin and it's a five-star review titled Love All the Podcasts. And Robin says, I really enjoy listening to your podcast, Melissa. I've learned something from all of them so far. Even when the title didn't really grab my interest, overall, they have helped me so much in so many ways to build more self-esteem and gratitude into my daily life. Thank you so much for spreading the message, Robin. Thank you, Robin, so much for that beautiful review. I'm so grateful. 
And please don't forget that if you want to be the review of the week for next week, all you have to do is head on over to iTunes and leave me that five-star review right now. And without further ado, let's dive in to this epic conversation with Lorraine Murphy. Beautiful Lorraine, I am so excited to have you on the show and not only because you're a dear friend of mine, but because you have so much wisdom to share with us today. But before we dive in, you know the deal. Can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I do. I knew you were going to ask this this morning. I actually went and had breakfast with a friend in a cafe and I had the granola with coconut yogurt and a turmeric latte. So since listening to your episode with Nick and plant-based eating, I've been really upping the ante on that. And uh, yeah, so it was a little bit more limiting what I could have for breakfast this morning, but it was beautiful. Oh, yum. That sounds delicious. Turmeric lattes, the best. Now, I've read all three of your books and I loved them. You and I are both type A overachievers. We love (laughs) organizing so much to everything that you say in your books. Like when I'm reading your books, I'm like, she's talking about me, like you are me. But first up, I wanted to talk about your latest book, which is called Baby, You're Remarkable, which is a very honest account and passionate discussion of your experience of becoming a mother whilst also running your own business. Mm. So when I was thinking, and then, you know, when I was reading this book, I was thinking about how some women are bursting to be solely a mum. Like that's just what they want. And some women don't want to have children at all and are bursting to create their own business. But then there are some others who desire to have both. So there's like these three categories. Yes, couldn't agree more. So for those women who do want to have, like you and like your book is about, have both the business and the babies, how on earth Do we blend them with as much grace as we possibly can? Can you please start there and give us all of your tips and tricks? Okay, (laughs) such a good question. And I think the, the hint is in the question, what you just asked, Melissa, about the blend. So I'm very, very passionate about the fact that I never, ever use the juggle word. I call it the J word. I don't use it because, and I think actually you taught me this years ago, that every word has energy. So when I get up in the morning. And if I'm thinking I have to juggle all day long, that just stresses me out no end. Whereas when I think that actually I'm blending my business baby with my real baby, that actually feels achievable to me. Because when I'm speaking to groups of women, I I know recently I spoke at an event for 150 women on the Gold Coast in Australia. And what I found was that I asked the question, who here can juggle? And not one woman in the room could juggle. Yet as soon as a woman has a baby and either goes back to work or or keeps going with her business, all of a sudden she's expected to juggle. And it's an expectation that isn't placed on men. And it drives me insane. It makes me so mad. So I think for me, when when I dial it back and say, okay, I'm not trying to juggle today. I'm not trying to achieve the impossible today. Instead, what I'm actually trying to do is blend Lexi, our beautiful daughter, with my business. And that to me makes it achievable. So it might sound quite superficial, but I think words are everything, particularly the words that we're using ourselves in our own heads and our own brains every single day with those, you know, internal monologues that all of us have every day. 
So I think when we can change the self-talk and stop trying to set ourselves up to fail with doing this juggle thing and instead approach it as a blend, then that puts it into the realm of, okay, that's achievable because the juggle isn't. I can't juggle personally, and I don't think most women, and in fact, most men (laughs) probably can't juggle either. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I just, I know you're going to keep going, but I just wanted to interject quickly because, you know, like you said, everything has energy. Everything is energy. And I feel like the word juggle has a very different energy to blend. Mm. And, you know, after I devoured your book in a few days, I was talking to my husband about it and I told him, I said, oh, I'm going to get Lorraine on the podcast and she's going to talk about blending babies and business. And I was like, no, no, babes, like not that type of blending. And he he was cracking himself up. I thought it was funny too, but he was just like, it makes so much sense. You know, I was saying how you talk about, you know, we're expected to juggle when none of us have ever learned how to do that, literally. Mm. And, you know, it has this heavier energy that comes with the words. So first of all, I want to encourage everyone listening to be mindful of their dialogue. Are you someone who's constantly saying, oh, the juggle or, oh, the balance or, oh, you know, are you one of those people that's always saying those things? And if so, let's start to be really mindful about our dialogue and say, you know, I'm I'm blending. I'm a blending mum. I, mm. I have the business and I have the babies and I do my very best to blend. And when I think of the word blend, I actually visualize like a dance, you know, like this mm-hmm. yes. elegant dance between the two. And it has such a nicer energy for me personally. Yeah, it really does. And it's not the tug of war. You know, if you think about juggling, it's like I'm being almost split in two between my career and my family. And it, it's none of that energy. It's it's a much more positive energy. And also, as you would have read in the book as well, the the whole idea of juggling, it's almost like there's a constant choice that needs to be made between one or the other. Whereas when I think about blending, to me, it's bringing two really precious things because I love my business. I love my career. I, you know, you do too. It lights us up so much. So I don't see why that should have to get potentially chucked on the floor if I try and fling it up in the air just because now I've, I've had a family, you know? So, so yeah, there's multiple layers of that blending thing, but I, I really do believe that successfully blending and, you know, success inverted commas, it's going to be more successful on some days than other days. But I do think that the language, it starts and it almost starts and ends with our language because what we're saying to ourselves internally in our heads every day is what we're then going to go manifest in the real world. Mm, Totally. Okay. So what are your tips and tricks and strategies on blending with as much grace as we possibly can? I think for me, and obviously you read my second book, which is Get Remarkably Organized, which is all about getting organized. I think, you know, I was already quite an organized person before before Lexi was born, but when she was born, it just had to be turbocharged organization. So taking the time to do the plan for the week in advance, it's really forced myself and my husband Wade to really get a lot more structured with our own communication. Because in the past, we would say, oh, we we used to aim to have a weekly meeting together just to plan out the week and goals and stay on top of our budget and all that kind of thing. And honestly, more often than not, it didn't happen. Whereas now with Lexi, you know, she's a, a busy, fun, awesome two years and four month old. She requires a lot of logistics. So we it's just not available to us not to sit down once a week and, and plan out the next seven days. So I think for me, being really, really organized, also having that great team around us, 
So we don't have family support nearby. My family is all on the other side of the world in Ireland. Wade's family is, is six hours drive north of where we are in Sydney. So for us, it's about having the brilliant daycare. It's, she's in a, na- Lexi's in a nanny share one day a week, which is where she's at right now as I'm recording this chat with you. And, and it's also building that village around us. There's lots of families like us who don't have family support either. So it's, it's building up that village and so that you've got, you can support them with their families and, and they can support you as well. And just for example, myself and Wade are going away for the night on Friday. It's my birthday on Friday and the next day is our Oh God, I forgot for a second, seven year wedding anniversary. (laughs) And we're going away for the night and we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for awesome friends who are happy to take Lexi overnight so that we can go do that. And then we'll do the same for them in a few weeks time. So, so yeah, if I was to summarize into three, I guess, key pillars, I think one was, would be getting really, really, well, first of all, changing the language, which we've already discussed in, in a bit of detail. Second would be getting really organized. So it's boring. It's not sexy at all, but the, the communication, the scheduling, the calendar. <laughs> my, my business manager, Michelle, said yesterday she can only look at my calendar one day at a time because it stresses her out too much to look at it for the whole week, which I just thought was hilarious. But that's that's that works for me, you know, to be that level of organized, that, that's what it needs to be for me. And, and I think the third one is really nurturing that village around you. And I think you're such a good example of that, you know, investing in relationships with girlfriends, other families, other couples. I think you do that so beautifully, Melissa. And I think to me, that's the key because most of us, you know, particularly for some reason living in Australia, a lot of us just don't have family support around us. So I think that village essentially becomes your family. So I think there, if I was to boil it down to three pillars, they would be the three. Yes, absolutely. And you are so good at teaching people how to get organized. And this is something that I felt quite perplexed about. You know, I would have my girlfriends come over and they would sit next to me and they would be like, how do you get it all done? Like, how do you do everything? And I would go through the apps on my phone and on my computer and I would show them the software that I use. And and a lot of people, we aren't taught how to manage our life or organize our business or our life. And It's something that comes quite innate with me. And you said it's not sexy, but for me personally, like I get a lot of joy out of organizing and being really organized. And, you know, I live by my digital calendar that syncs to my phone. If I don't, if it's not in my calendar, like I'll miss it. Like there's no way I would know that I have podcast interviews and meetings and things like that if it's not in my calendar. Mm. And I know when I became a stepmom, again, that level of organization was ramped up and we do so many things similar to what you and Wade do. Nick and I have a weekly meeting every evening. We check in and look at the next day and we go, okay, cool. You know, who's doing school pickup or drop off or, Mm. you know, do we need to move that? Is that all, you know, looked after? And, you know, who's making dinner? It's the basic stuff like that so that you don't get home at 6 p.m. and go, who's making dinner? Are you making dinner? It's just, you waste so much time, I think, having those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like in the morning, whilst we're kind of pottering around, I'll be like, okay, I'll do breakfast. I'll do lunch. You know, are you going to do dinner? What do you want? You know, we just have these little conversations Mm -hmm. that helps the day flow so much more gracefully. But I wanted to ask you about guilt because 
I know people who, you know, we're speaking about those three different categories of women, Mm -hmm. the women that just want to be a mum, the women that just want to do their work, and then the women that want to blend, okay? Mm -hmm. And I know women that want to be solely a mum, but they, some still have a little bit of guilt or they want to be a career woman, but they still have this little bit of doubt. Oh, is this really the right thing, thing for me? And then there's the third category where they are blending and whenever they're doing one or the other, there's still this guilt that they should be with the other. So can you talk about guilt and the mama guilt and did that come up for you? And if so, how do you move through it? Yeah, such a good question. And, you know, one of the most popular chapters in the book has been, because as you know, I've got a whole chapter on mom guilt. And, and it's been one of the most popular chapters of people who've read the book so far. So I think for me, there was, and you know, you've probably had experiences like this before where someone might just say something offhand in a conversation or on stage or in a book and, and it really in- internalizes with you. And I remember for me, I was speaking at the very first, I know you've had Emma Isaacs on the, the show already a few months ago as well. And Emma Isaacs, who is the global CEO of Business Chicks, was speaking on stage about, she was being interviewed at the very first Movers and Breakers conference, which I spoke at in Uluru, oh, I think it was four, oh, it was about five years ago now. And, you know, Lexi wasn't even a twinkle in her eye at that time. We weren't even talking about having a family yet. And she was asked about mom guilt on stage. And she came back so quickly to the, to the answer, the question. And she said, guilt is a wasted emotion that serves no one. And for whatever reason, those exact words just lodged in my brain somewhere. And it's really something that I've come back to again and again and again since, since we had Lexi. And when I, when we actually had Lexi, so it took us 18 months to conceive, which I was not expecting at all. You know, a type, we've already talked about this in this conversation. <laughs> I was fully assuming I want to get pregnant. Bang. It's going to happen. I probably stopped just short of having a week by week timeline to how this pregnancy was going to happen. Um, you know, it was that organized. I had the, I even read the book. There's a brilliant book called The Impatient Woman's Guide to Getting Pregnant. And, and that was like my Bible. So <laughs> I, I didn't expect it to take so long. So when, when we decided to start trying for a baby, I was running my first business, which was a talent agency for social influencers, which I'd been running for, I think, three years at that time. So when Lexi finally made her grand entrance into the world, I was running that business. I had been running it for five years. I was very excited, very fulfilled by it. And when Lexi arrived, I decided, well, sorry, backtrack a little bit. When I was building that business, it was always building it with a view to selling it to a big multinational corporation. I was going to take it to the UK, take it to the US, take it to Asia, grow it to be, you know, a multi, multi, multi million dollar a year global business. And then I was going to sell it. And then at that point, I said, I'm going to do my soul on firework, which for me is writing, speaking, mentoring. That's like my thing. And the plan was that, so that would be maybe when Lexi turned eight years old, I'd be at that point by the time I'd earned out the sale and so on. And when she arrived, I went back into the business when she was three and a half months old. I brought on a business partner while I was pregnant with her, who was running the business while I, I was on maternity leave. And when I got back into it, it just wasn't lighting me up as much as it used to. And I remember so clearly there was one day where I went to an industry conference because one of my KPIs when I went back into the business was to bring in new clients. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to this industry event. I'm going to reconnect with all my network and, and you know get the new clients flying through the business again. And I went to this event and it was the one day that I really, really missed Lexi. Like at a, at a 
a heart, it's like my heart ached for her. And mm-hmm. I went to this event and I was sitting there listening to people. I just wasn't engaged in the event. I was just listening to people speaking to boost their own profile. And I was just sitting there going, what the hell am I doing here? Like my beautiful baby's at home with her incredible nanny. And I'm sitting here listening to people talk about stuff that I'm just not interested in. And I, I was pumping for Lexi. And for some reason, I hadn't been able to leave milk at home in the fridge for her that morning. So I went into the disabled toilet. I was sitting up on the toilet seat, pumping milk with my little handheld breast pump. And I remember just going, this is so crap. <laughs> what, why, what is the point of all this? And I called her nanny to say the milk is ready. So she left our house, which is maybe a 10 minute drive from, from the city where I was. And she was driving along one of the main thoroughfares it was d- down Elizabeth Street in, in Sydney City. And I was standing on the edge of the street and you can't stop on Elizabeth Street. This is like a no stopping zone. So she rolled, she slowed down. I could see her car approaching. She slowed down to, I think she was doing maybe 10 kilometers per hour. She rolled down the passenger side of the window and I flung my bottle of milk in the window and she kept driving. And I just saw Lexi's little toes sticking out the back of her little capsule in the back of the car. And it was just this, I call them God moments. It was a God moment for me of going, what the hell am I doing here? And I left the conference early. I went home to Lexi and I just, I, I said to her, if I could put you back in my belly right now, I would. It was like, I couldn't physically get close enough to her. And I think that day was, I didn't realize it was almost like bubbling at an unconscious level. It came up to my conscious in the next two weeks. Like I need to sell this business because I just need to do the soul on fire stuff. Because if I'm going to be spending time away from her, it needs to be delivering maximum ROI, you know, re- return on investment. And I don't mean that in terms of, I need to be making $2,000 an hour for every hour I'm away from her. It needs to be an ROI in terms of my soul that if I'm going to be spending time away from my beautiful baby, it needs to be to, to do the stuff that I believe is setting my soul on fire. And that way, then I go back to her and I feel so much more fulfilled and excited and like I'm on purpose, which means she's on purpose and the whole family's on purpose and the business is on purpose and so on. So this is a very, very long winded of saying, I feel that my mum guilt index drops massively when I'm engaged in stuff that I feel is actually worth my while doing and is actually serving my purpose. The mom guilt goes up when I feel like I'm wasting my time if I'm not with her. Does that make sense? Oh, totally, babe. That's a very long answer. <laughs> and and this is what my third book I'm co-writing with Nick, which yes. will be out September 2020. And this is what essentially there's, this is kind of what it's about. It's like doing that soul work, that mm. soul on fire work, because life is so precious and so sacred. And we only get one opportunity, one go at this. And it's going to have to be really charming to pull you away from the loves of your life, mm. your children, and your partner. That's how I live my life now. So beautifully said. Yes. It needs to be so charming. Yes, I love that. Yeah. It's it's gonna like I'm obsessed with my husband. I love him and I adore him so much. For me to go away on, you know, a speaking gig or to be away from him for a period of time, it's gonna have to be something that is lighting my soul mm. on fire. Like I always say, if it's not a hell yeah, if it's not a full body hell yeah, like every cell in my being just buzzing with excitement, then it's a no thank you for now. Yeah. And I think you've made such a huge point that that mum guilt, that that mum guilt that we 
feel does dissipate when you are doing things that are lighting you up and you're saying no thank you to the things that you just feel obligated to do. So when you have children at home and you go out to a beautiful lunch with a girlfriend and that lights you up and it's so exciting and you come back as an even better version of yourself, that is worth the hour away from your child. Absolutely. You know, and same with work opportunities, the speaking gig. If it's something that you feel so passionate about and lit up about and something that you you know, your cells just dance over and then you go and you're away for your child for one night and you come back. But if it was worth it, then you're going to be the best version of yourself for your husband, for your partner, for your child, for your friends, for your family. Mm. So what would you say to those people who may be thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much that I'm doing that is not my soul on fire work or soul on fire even obligations. Yes. Yeah. I think a big one, and I guess I can speak to that because I have my own business as, as do you. And I think what I would be saying to those people, and this is what I say to the people that I mentor and that I, that attend my events and workshops, it's even if there's one small thing, you know, we both have a friend in, in common, Clara Bede, and I know for her, she worked in PR. I actually met her when we both worked in public relations together. And she wanted to be a health coach. So she started by doing her yoga teacher training. Then she dropped down one day a week in her job to devote to her own side hustle as such. And then as that started to take off, she took more and more time to the side hustle until that eventually became the main hustle. So I think it's it's just trying to find one thing that really does set your soul on fire and focusing on that and not placing any huge expectation on that, that that needs to turn over X amount of revenue tomorrow so that you can leave your job the next day. It's more about being in the moment with that and enjoying it and soaking it up. What I would also say just more specifically and maybe more of a a mindset, not hack, but a mindset help that I use is when I am feeling guilty about something, you know, and even if it's not mom guilt related, it's something else. It's it's to really focus on the stuff that I am doing well. And and I listed out in the book in the chapter on mom guilt, this all these things that I could have been seen as either by myself or by external parties saying, this is all the stuff that she did wrong. Like going back into my business three days a week when Lexi was three and a half months old. I ran a retreat to Bali in November last year. So I was away for 10 days from her when she was 18 months old. Like there's all these different things that I could say, oh, I haven't done that very well. Whereas actually when I focus instead on the other side of it and go, well, what, what are all the things I'm doing really well? And for example, I breast, and I'm not saying that breastfeeding is 100% the best thing. It, it obviously depends on each parent and each child. But I breastfed exclusively for 13 and a half months. And that was, I was be, sometimes being away for a couple of nights with work. So so it's it's focusing on the things that we do do well. I think for me, that really dissipates the bomb guilt because I think it's very easy to, and our brains are predisposed to focusing on the negative stuff. It, but going back to our caveman and cavewoman times, it was our way of staying safe because our brain would say, well, what's all the things that could go wrong? What's what's not right right now? Because that protected us from being eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or whatever it might be. Whereas whereas we don't have that now. And instead what our brain does, it, it looks on the negative of everything because that's its way. It's almost like our ego's way of, of keeping us safe. So I think we need to be very intentional about focusing on the things that we are doing well when we are feeling that mom guilt. Because I know for me and for a lot of the women that I work with who are also experiencing that, that helps massively. I almost say with 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 recognition for yourself, the mom guilt disappears, and that's that's something mm. that I practice myself a lot. Yes, beautiful. 
And also, Melissa, remembering that there's no such thing as dad guilt. You know, it's very, very rare that anyone asks Wade if he ever, never, no, he's never once been asked to be his dad guilt. And he also runs his own business and he travels a lot more than I do for work. So I think it's just remembering how much of this mom guilt is something that women are, we're, we're choosing to put on ourselves versus what other people are actually putting on us. Does that make sense? Mm. And it's something that you don't have to subscribe to. Like that is an outdated old paradigm that you do not have to subscribe to. And you can make a conscious shift right now and say, I will not use the words mum guilt ever again. Mm. I'm putting a full stop on that. And I just, I'm choosing not to use it. And if it does come up within you, then you can deal with that. But just consciously, like we spoke about before, being mindful of our words because they have power and they are energy, but just being really mindful of the terms mum guilt and consciously making an effort to put a full stop on that and no longer have that in your dialogue. It's not something that you have to subscribe to. And you're right. I've never heard anyone say, yeah, do you you get dad guilt? Never. And if you, and an interesting ex- experiment I did for the book was when you actually Google, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but if you Google dad guilt, I think something like 10,000 results get returned on Google. If you, if you Google mom guilt, assuming, you know, the US is obviously a much bigger market than Australia, it's something like 60,000 or 600,000. It's, mm. it's huge, like absolutely huge. Something I've been practicing lately is writing my affirmations on my bedroom mirror in our bedroom. And, and for example, that might be something that would be really helpful if someone, if, if your listeners are really suffering with mom guilt, it's exactly the affirmation you just said. You said, I no longer allow my, what did you say? I no longer experience mom Subscribe. guilt. Subscribe. Subscribe to mom guilt. Big full yeah. stop. You know, putting that on a mirror somewhere, just using whiteboard marker, I found, found that to be a really, really powerful exercise. Or putting on a post-it on the fridge or on your phone, just having it somewhere that you constantly remind yourself of it as well. And also, I think it goes, you know, without saying, like, it's very much determined by the people you surround yourself with as well. So if you are in a mother's group and it's all about, oh, I've got the mum guilt and it's all negative Mm -hmm. and everyone's talking about the negative things that they're experiencing. Oh, I've got no, I've had no sleep and I'm doing, I'm doing this wrong. I've got guilt around this. Like you become like the five most prominent people in yep. your life. Yep. And so if your five friends are negative about the experience of blending babies and business, then you will pick up on that energy. Mm. So maybe, you know, find some people who don't also subscribe to the mum guilt and who are, you know, wanting to create something a little bit different. Yes. And wanting to wanting to raise their vibration mm. and to not sit in that negative, low vibrational energy. Yeah. And you know, Melissa, as well, that doesn't need to be four people that you sit in a room with every month or every week. It can be people online. So I know when I'm having tough days, I just almost need to tune into your Insta stories and I instantly feel uplifted. Like there's so many people like that. You know, my Instagram feed is filled with high vibe people. And and I think that's really important. So we don't necessarily, yeah, as I said, need to get that person bodily in a room with us every week. We can actually, and that's the beauty of social media, is that we can tap into these people without them physically being in our space or even knowing that we exist, as crazy as it sounds. So I think that's important yeah. to remember as well. But obviously having some in real life contact with someone who's not necessarily completely making the same choices as you, but definitely is like-minded. And like you say, they've got a drive to create something different. I think that's, and for me, that was really game-changing because I did have 
a few friends, probably two or three friends who had had babies just before me and also had their own businesses. And that was just so helpful for me just to see that someone else was on that path and that they were loving it. You know, they were embracing this newfound mamahood. It wasn't like an inconvenience or something that they found that they had lost themselves in. They, they were really celebrating it. I think that enabled me and almost in a weird way gave me permission to celebrate it as well because they were. It's like you cannot be what you can't see. So when you see other women who are blending it and who aren't feeling guilty, and for me, Emma Isaacs is a huge role model. When I see her and they just the, this what she puts out into the world, it gives me permission and it makes me, it makes it permissible, but also makes it possible for me to have whatever she's having. Mm. Oh, absolutely. That episode on the show with Emma is just incredible. So if you it. haven't had a chance to listen to it, please do. But I think, you know, some of my friends who blend both business and babies, they very intentionally surrounded themselves with people who were on the same wavelength. So, you know, I know some people who they would then project their stuff. Oh, you won't be able to do it. Yeah. Oh, it's impossible. You're going to be exhausted. There's, you know, you need to give yourself yeah. a year maternity leave. Oh, you're you're kidding yourself. Who do you think you yeah. are? Like you're not going to be able to do it. All this negativity. Other women. That's what drives me insane about that. It's actually other women saying that, not men. Yes, yeah. yes. And I know one person in particular who would stop that person in their tracks and say that's your story. Yes. And I'm choosing to create my own. Yeah. So I'm going to stop you right there. And you can do it with love, guys. Yes, you can do it with love. Yeah. You you literally can just, you know, put up your hand and say, I'm just going to stop you right there. I I appreciate your contribution, but I'm consciously trying to create a different reality for myself. And I, I appreciate you sharing your experience and your story, but that's yours. Yeah. And, and I'm just going to give that back to you. I love it. I'll say, can I just pause you there for a second? <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You don't have to put up with them projectile vomiting all their stuff all over you. Like you do not have to put up with it. So, you know, I think that's really beautiful and you can do it in a loving mm -hmm. and kind way. And you just say, I'm just going to pause you right there for one sec, you know, and then you can change the subject if you want to, but yeah, you don't have to have them project their stuff all over yep. you. Just, you just don't have to. And you know, a second, the second you're pregnant, people start to tell you what your pregnancy is going to be like, what your birth is going to be like. Oh, yeah. I was very, very, very anxious about giving birth because I believe I have no pain threshold and I, a million fears about giving birth. And people I found in the early days would really project their, their, their own stuff onto me. And our midwife actually said to me that she finds even the grandmothers of the women that she's helping, she's supporting during their birth experience, they will actually come and talk to her about their own births, their traumatic births. And it's their way. What I realize is people are, it's, it's their way of trying to heal their own trauma, whether it's about birth or the fact that they got postnatal depression when they went back to work or whatever it might be. It's people's way of dealing with their own stuff and it's not your stuff. And, and I was very, very intentional about not taking on other people's birth stories because the stories some people tell you, like they're just horrific. And what I actually found is when I got really intentional about not taking on other people's stories, whether it's about birth or about how I was going to manage the blend once Lexi came along and I had this business, what I actually found is 
I actually started to get less and less of that to the point that when I was almost due to give birth, no one was sharing birth stories with me anymore. It's almost like I had sent an invisible signal out that I'm not open to that mm. conversation anymore. And then people just stopped having it with me. It was really, really incredible. Yes, absolutely. And I need to absolutely. also say I had an incredible birth. It didn't go to plan, but I had an incredible birth. I just think it's important to talk about positive birth stories as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's really powerful, honey, and just, you know, sharing that, you know, you can create your own reality. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's, it, it is like this permission slip that people think they get when someone says they're pregnant. But I, I love that you intentionally, it's almost like you had this invisible field over you that you didn't even invite the opening. Like there was no opening for other people to yes. project their story onto because you were just like, no, it's, it's not open. Yeah. It's not and open. And you're right. It was a force field because when you said your friend would stop people in the tracks, I, I probably would be more empowered to do that now, but I don't think I would have been in a, I, I don't think I would have been gutsy enough to do that two years ago. So what I would find is even when people were telling me the story, whether it's about going back to work or having a baby or you're going to be up all night for weeks on end or whatever it might be, or months or even years for some of my friends on end. Um, I would actually say that in my head, exactly the words you just said, that's your story. I'm creating my own story. Or that's your story. We're creating our own story in terms of myself and Wade and our baby and how our birth was going to unfold. So I, I would just say, I think it takes a lot of balls to to say that to someone. I probably could do it now. But I think in the past, I could even just say it in my head and that would actually have a, quite a similar effect because I was stepping more into my power and not being in a almost like being the receiver of all this energy that was coming my way. And I, I would actually visualize a force field around me when people started to project their negative stuff onto me and almost imagine it like pinging off. Whatever they were sending my way, it would be pinging off and it just didn't get to me. And also to my baby, because when we're walking around pregnant and whether people are telling us this stuff about what it's going to be like when we go back to work or our birth, you know, our babies are taking on all that energy as well. So I think that really got me to up my game because I realized it wasn't just my energy I was protecting. It was my baby's energy as well. So I was very, very mindful of that during my pregnancy too. Mm, absolutely. So important because whatever you feel, they yeah, feel. absolutely. It's so important. I had another very conscious friend who would never share anything about her birth unless the invitation was open. So unless someone said, what was your birth yeah. like? Or can you tell me about your birth? She would then share and she would say, I will only share, but as long as you agree to remember that this is my story. And then she would share her experience. And then at the end of it, she'd, she would say, that was my story. You are going to have a very unique experience yeah. to you and you need to remember that. And I felt like that was so beautiful that she was consciously taking ownership of that. Mm. And our words and dialogue is so important. So instead of just walking around and projecting your traumatic experience, like be really mindful because you could be scaring this other woman yeah, so absolutely. much. And then that fear in her cells and that stress in her cells is going straight into that baby. Yeah. So be really mindful of what you share and how you share yeah, it. I love that advice. I think that's beautiful. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Blue Blocks, the only blue light glasses backed by science. Now, if you follow me on social media, you will know that I love my blue blocking glasses and I wear them every day because they help alleviate digital eye strain 
keep your hormones balanced, and help you get a deeper, more restorative sleep. They are made in Australia, which means they are very high quality, and all their glasses come in readers, prescription, and non-prescription. And you can even send in your own frames and have them add their lens technology to your frames. And for every pair purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who then gift them to someone in need in the developing countries. How awesome is that? So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code Melissa at the checkout. Now let's get back to the conversation. So what about our partners? You know, we've got babies and business. How do you blend that? You know, where does that come into the equation and how do we make a relationship thrive with with the babies and with the business and with our partnership as well? That's such a good question. And it's been something that I think probably the first year when Lexi was born, it was, uh, I wouldn't say we were in survival mode, not necessarily because of of her. Obviously, we were figuring I had to be parents and (laughs) we'd have these days, we're like, this is very grown up. (laughs) Like we're making very grown up Mm -hmm. decisions here all, all day, every day. And but I would also I, I I need to almost set Lexi being born to the backdrop of there was a lot going on in, in our home lives. There was some family stuff going on for me. Wade also, as I mentioned, also has his own business and they had a very, very testing period about six months into when Lexi was six months old, where they almost went bankrupt. Thankfully he performed the save of the century and it's been growing incredibly well since then. But there was also we decided we want, I, I I decided to sell my business, which is a almost like a grieving process in its own right. We decided to move to the Gold Coast last year to attempt the tree change. Wade was commuting back down to Sydney. He was living with a friend in Sydney while myself and Lexi lived in a new state, pretty much on our own. We didn't know anyone up there except one friend. So I need to set our relationship to the backdrop. There was a lot going on as well as becoming parents. It was definitely the most, this, the last two years have been the most intense of our, of our relationship so far. We've been together 10 years next week. So I think for us, it's been, it's been a classroom. I would never want to put myself up there as saying we've got the perfect relationship because we haven't. It's, it's been very, very testing over the last couple of years with everything else going on. Plus, you know, you, you have this beautiful human who I think Lexi probably collects about a hundred kisses between the two of us every single day. And that affection for her, the, that, that used to be sent in, in each other's direction. So there's, there's, there's multiple shifts happening on multiple levels. So I think for us, something that has helped massively uh, was a day that we spent together between Christmas and New Year last year, where we took ourselves to a beautiful new beach that we have. I think we'd been there once before. We went to a beautiful beach on the northern beaches. Lexi was at daycare and we spent the whole day visioning where we wanted our lives to be. We did an assessment of where life was at right now using a tool that I use with my mentees and, and in my workshops. We planned out our five-year vision and, and funnily enough, we did them individually. So at each step we went, we had clipboards on the beach. We were that couple. It was hilarious. We've done exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And you feel so self-conscious. We're like, actually, I'd rather be the 1% of people who are going to do this with their year than, than not be. So yeah. we, we mapped out our our five-year vision, he did his, I did mine, sitting on each other on different beach towels. And then we compare notes. And it was such a lovely, uh, I think I want, I want to say it was very reassuring. It was very validating that actually where we both want to be in five years time was so similar, like almost mirror images of each other. So I think that was really reassuring that given even the year that we had had, that we were still so aligned in terms of where we want to be. And we'd been together, what, nine years at that point. So that was, that was really beautiful. And we planned out our one-year vision. We set our goals for the year individually and then also aligned. And and I think it was really beautiful because 
I I went on the journey of his goals and what he wanted to do. Like he wanted to buy a motorbike, which I was not a fan of. And and when he explained the reasons that he wanted to do that, I was so fully on board with him doing that. And he bought a motorbike at the start of the year. And then he recently upgraded to an even more powerful one, which like I cannot even tell you, Melissa, how lit he up he is by that bloody machine. Like he <laughs> loves it. We, we took a photo. I took a photo of him and Lexi sitting on the motorbike, not moving, obviously. And he's so lit up. And I, I, I shared it on Instagram and I said, he's actually happier than he was in our wedding photos and Lexi's birth photos when <laughs> he has this motorbike. <laughs> So I think for us, it was a really great way of getting on board with each other's goals. And and then another day, then a few days later, we took another half day to spend time and, okay, well, this is where we want to be in five years. This is where we want to be in a year. What does our week need to look like in order for us to do that? And we planned out our perfect week. And that wasn't an easy exercise. It took us two and a half hours to get to that point because given that we don't have the family support, if I want to go to yoga, like I went to yoga last night at six o'clock, Wade needed to be home in time for me to go to yoga. He likes to go to the gym at 5.15 in the morning, Monday to Friday. So I need to be home in order for him to do that. So I feel what we did at the start of the year is we almost got a lot of the negotiation out of the way at the start of the year so that we could then set up our weeks to help us serve our businesses, serve Lexi, serve each other, serve serve ourselves individually so part of the the deal is that i the deal it literally felt like striking a business deal doing this work together but something we agreed was that i would do more more of the the main caregiver responsibilities than lexi would sorry than wade would but every sunday afternoon i have a couple of hours that i go and do my own thing so i might go to do yoga i might get my nails done i might go catch up with a friend or just lie on the sofa and read a book so it was getting to that level of detail that has I feel like that has insured us this year because it's, again, it's been another really, really big year. I shared publicly that we found out we were pregnant again this year and we found out when our baby should have been 12 weeks in in the womb that they didn't have a heartbeat anymore. So we had to go through, uh, for me, it was the most intense process I've ever, ever been through in the tents and, and a very intense spiritual experience. And I don't feel like we could have weathered the storms that we've weathered this year if we didn't have almost that infrastructure around us of what we're here. What What's the point of it all? You and I have a beautiful friend, Peter Kelly, in common. And she constantly comes back to herself, asking herself and, and Eric, her husband, asking himself, like, what's the point of all this? And I feel like that planning we did at the start of the year was pivotal for us to be able to not just make it through this year, but also to build the businesses and, and have this incredible daughter that we get to have as well. So yeah, I think that would be a big part of it. And then it's the weekly comms, like we've already touched on earlier on this chat. It's the the Sunday chat. As soon as Lexi goes down for her sleep, we have our weekly meeting on a Sunday, which it only lasts 30, 40 minutes. Uh, we also try and have a quarterly half day together where we plan ahead, like what's working, what's not working. We've actually just instituted a new thing where on a Wednesday morning, instead of Lexi's nanny coming at seven to pick her up and take her to her nanny share, her nanny comes at six. So the last two Wednesdays, we've had an hour long walk where we just walk the bay around where we live and and we just get to talk and it's not at the end of the day when both of us are probably tired or we're just keen to get some sleep or maybe Lexi's up or it's, it's, I really love the idea of starting our day on a Wednesday morning with us in mind. Like we're the priority for once we're the priority and not all the other things that are calling on our time and our energy. So yes, that's a download of a few of the things that we have found have really, really helped for us, particularly in the last two years, which have been incredibly intense on multiple levels. Mm, yes, so important. Nick and I do the same thing. So 
On New Year's, we do the same thing. We go and we do goal setting. We do like our year goal setting, you know, what is really important to him. We do a check-in, then we kind of look at our five-year and then we do a few different check-ins throughout the year. And then we also have our weekly meetings. We have a monthly financial meeting that we do together. And then we also kind of check in every evening before we close our computers and phones for the night. We do a little check in. Okay, let's quickly look at the calendar for tomorrow. It literally takes a few minutes. Oh. I I open my calendar. He well, we open both. We both open our calendars on our phone or on our computers, and we just go, okay, cool. Who's doing that? What? Okay, cool. You need the car there because we also share a yes, car. Totally. So you know, who needs the car? Okay, cool. Is that going to overlap? I'll do this. You do that. And the conversation is very quick. And maybe you need to make a phone call to reschedule something or whatever. It's a very quick two minute process that sets your day up the next day for success. And yeah, like we intuitively kind of throughout the year have these little check-ins where we're like, okay, I think we need a little re-evaluation, a little goals check-in whether it's to do with our business or our relationship. I'm like, okay, I feel like we need to kind of do a little relationship check-in. And we have, I've spoken about this many times on the podcast before. We have these things we do called the love bubble, which is, you know, a sacred place that we hold for each other to express. And it's really important. It makes such a difference. And these are just things that are going to set your relationship up for success. The alternative is to ignore it and do nothing about it. But I promise you that if you ignore it, it's going to die. It's like a plant. If you do not water a plant, if you ignore it, if you don't look after it, it's going to die. And same with your relationship. If you don't water it, if you don't give it love and attention, it will die as well. And then you'll get to a point where you're like, it's not working anymore. I'm like, well, have you put in the work? Have you done the work to make it thrive? So It's really important that we do these regular check-ins with our partner so that our lives can flow and we can head in the same direction toward our goals. Yeah. Can I add two things as well? One is quick and one is less quick. One would be to have shared Google Calendar. So myself and Wade are both set up on Google Calendar and I can see his calendar. So for example, I'm trying to schedule a retreat. So I'm running two retreats next year and I'm trying to schedule another one. So I could see as soon as I, I was given two options by my venue, and as soon as I, as soon as I logged into my calendar and opened his as well, I could see, well, June definitely isn't going to work. July will work. So it's just that it means I don't have to then text him and say, Hey, what's going on this week? Is that okay? I, I can see it and I know, and he knows what I'm doing. Another thing that I would like to add to this as well is it's important to fill up our own tanks as individuals, because I think particularly when you have a family and when you've got a business or a career, or whatever you're doing, you that your time is at a, a massive premium when you have a family, as you will know from from having Leo as well. So when we're going to go do something, it, it takes a lot more planning and organization. And I think we tend to, particularly as women, we give that time to our partners or to our family. So if we have a day free in two weeks time, we'll probably say, okay, well, I should spend time with the family or spend time with my, my partner. And, and I think it's really important for us to tune back into ourselves as individuals as well. And I know this isn't going to be available to everyone, but even if it's just taking yourself for a coffee once a week on your own for an hour and, and being with you, you know, getting, falling in love with yourself a little bit more. I think that's really important. I, being very, very honest with you, I was reaching burnout. Um, we lost our baby. Uh, we had to move a similar 
conversation, similar experience to you and Nick. We we had a, we found out we had a really bad mold issue in our rental, so we had to move out. Pretty much in nine days, we'd moved house. So it was it was wow. just very very stressful, and and I think it was definitely affecting our health. I didn't think it was at the time, but then when you move to a non moldy house, you go, ah, this is what health feels like. I get it. So and Wade had been traveling. Wade was away for a month traveling with his business, and I was really approaching the kind of hit the wall point. I was feeling so incredibly resentful of Wade. I was thinking in my head, well, he gets to go away and travel for four weeks and I don't get to do that. Even though he was traveling for business and I got that, there was so much going on at home. Lexi got an ear infection. She was up every single night for two weeks while I was solo parenting, while trying to get a podcast off the ground, launch a new website, get ready for the new book. It was just, it was very, very intense and horrible. And Wade said to me at one point while he was away, look, babe, what do you want to do? And I just said, I want to go to Bali for a week on my own and chill the F out. That's all I want to do. And he was like, well, book it. And I came up with a million different ex- excuses as to why I couldn't have that time. You know, I needed to go, even stupid stuff like, well, who'd do the weekly cook-up, which I do a big cook-up every Saturday afternoon. I mean, it was just crazy. So I booked Bali and I can tell you, Melissa, I've spent a lot of money. I've done the Tony Robbins like you have. i invested in myself to go to Necker Island and spend a week with Richard Branson and Business Chicks a few years ago. Like I've spent, you know, quite a bit of money on myself. And that week, which was a pretty budget week, given there was so much expensive stuff happening back home, that was the best money and the best time I've ever spent on myself that week because I got eight hours sleep for seven nights. I did yoga every flipping day. I did meditation. I saw two of my favorite healers. I took myself to one of my favorite cafes for eight hours and planned out my five-year vision for my business, broke it down to annual and quarterly vision. Like I came back so clear, so revved up, so energized. Wade was like, it's like a different person coming home. So I'm so glad I took that time because it was investing in our relationship. You know, it's our relationship has gone deeper tenfold since I came back just six weeks ago. My business is flourishing. You know, I'm getting stuff out there to my audience that they're, they can't buy quick enough. It's just incredible. So I think whether it's a week in Bali or it's just a coffee each week on our own, I think it's really important to pay ourselves with our own time and energy as well, because I think it's very easy to immediately hand that time over to the family or over to Wade. And, and I know myself, a lot of weekends, it's all family time or it's all time with Wade or it's time with friends. And I could get to the end of the weekend and not have even had 30 minutes on my own because I feel like, well, I should be nurturing my family and my relationship at the weekend. And, and sometimes it's better to nurture ourselves first so that we can actually go and nurture other people. Oh, yeah. Totally. Self-love all Mm. the way. Self-care is, uh, you know, I bang on and on and on about it. It is so important. I have to do it every day. For me, I need to take some time every day to fill myself up because I am then going to show up to my tribe, to my husband, to Leo, to my family, to my friends as the best version of myself. So I take my self-care very seriously and I have to do something every day. Some days it's longer, some days it's a shorter thing, you know, but it doesn't matter how long it is. All that matters is that you are taking some time to fill yourself up. It could literally be two minutes of eyes closed, deep breathing with your hands on your heart, saying I love you in in your mind. You know, it's something, it could be something so simple like that. So thank you for mentioning self-care and self-love. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to hear, what do you attribute your success to? Because everyone has a different definition of success and yours is unique to Lorraine. But if there's one thing that you could attribute it to, what would it be? God, that's such a good question. Is that a question you ask all your guests? Because I wasn't ready for that one. I'm not used to that one. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I would probably say if it's okay, two things. I think one is being organized. And I think I, I was always the person who was 10 minutes late for work, like always. And when I started my own business and I was wearing all of the hats, you know, you know, the experience from back in the early days of your business, you're the head of marketing, the head of sales, the head of operations. You're also head of actually giving whatever it is to your producing, whatever it is, the product or service you're producing. You're, you're the head of buying post-it notes for the home office. You're your head of everything. And I realized if I don't get my S, you know, my SH1T together, this isn't going anywhere fast. And I had to get organized. So I think for me, being organized over the years has really helped because it has meant that I can actually get a lot more done and a, and a hell of a lot more done than I would if, if I wasn't organized and I didn't have my, my stuff together. And I think the other one would be tuning into my spiritual side and, and having that spiritual support team. I see my, kinesiologist, not religiously, but I see her every month to two months, depending on where I'm at with my business. And that has really, really helped because I think very often, and because I mentor entrepreneurs, I can see this, that so many people get crippled by their own limiting beliefs, their self-doubt. They they get almost trapped in, a, in it behind walls of their own negative thinking. So for me, I like to see my kinesiologist because it clears any of that negative debris before it actually bubbles up onto a conscious level and I actually start to act out on that stuff and sabotage myself or sabotage relationships or limit myself in terms of the money I can make or the love I can have in my life or the relationship that I can have. So I think having a spiritual practice has been absolutely life-changing for me. I'm a big fan of meditation, affirmations, tuning into my vision board every morning, seeing my kinesiologist, having my mantras, that that, that to me, it's, it's almost, it's funny, I'm just figuring this out as I speak to you. I feel like both being organized and having the spiritual practice provide provide an infrastructure in my life and enable me to achieve what I've you know so thankfully been able to achieve. But they're yeah they're two very different types of infrastructure, but they feed each other. It's like one provides the the machine and one provides the soul. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Honestly, people ask me often, "How do you do it all? How have you gotten to where you are? How do you you know blend both family and?" the business and how do you do it all? And one of the things I always say is I am so organized. (laughs) I am like, I'm like you, you know, that's why I loved your book so much because I'm like just reading about myself. It's awesome. (laughs) So organized. I am. I'm like, and I always have been, I've always been like this. I've always been very neat and tidy. I remember as a child wanting to clean my room. I would uh, I would beg my mom. I'd be like, "Can I please clean my room? Like, and can you give me the cleaning products?" And she'd give me the toxic what? cleaning products. Yeah. And I would just scrub my room and that brought me a lot of organization and structure brought me a lot of inner peace. So And that's exactly it. It's not just about getting stuff done. It's about feeling peaceful. And I love what you said about your home. We're actually due our next Marie Kondo next Sunday. Wade's diarized it in our calendar for next Sunday morning. So to actually clear all the crap out of our home as well, because I loved what you said, that everything in your home is chosen intentionally, like it's there because you want it to be there. Yes. And and that's the thing, the being organized thing. Yeah, it's about getting more done, but it's also about being able to sleep at night and knowing that something isn't going to jump up and bite you on the ass tomorrow morning because you didn't get back to an email or you didn't pay a bill or you didn't check your calendar. For me, it's it's that peace. I feel like I can sleep at night because I know that and there's going to be days that stuff does pop up, but 90% of the time, I feel like I'm across what needs to be happening in my life. And that exactly you said, it gives that inner peace. 
Yeah, totally. Now, I would love to pretend with you that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. Besides your three books, (laughs) they definitely need to be in there. Well, maybe not Baby You're Remarkable just yet. (laughs) They need to be in there. So, if they were already in there, what is one other book that you would choose? Such a good question. And and I didn't know you were going to ask this question because I know you ask all your guests and I'm a, I'm a massive fan of your podcast. I, I, I was you. so torn. There was a lot of different ones that I would like to put in there, but I feel like one that was, and I didn't actually realize how life-changing it was to me, but I, I knew I was going to talk about this book in my chat with you. So just before I, I came to chat to you, I, I flicked through it again just to kind of to, to reconnect with it. And it's a book by Simon Reynolds. Simon is S I I. M-O-N, Reynolds, and he wrote a book called They Zag, You Zig. And, and for me, that was a brilliant book. Wade actually got me onto it and, and it's so dog-eared. It was a book that he introduced me to when we first met like 10 years ago. And it's all about just doing life slightly differently to what the masses are doing. And it's really simple life tips that it was only when I actually flicked through it again this morning, I was like, oh, I, I was only talking about one of those tips that he put in there yesterday. And it's things like drinking good water because our bodies are something like 95% water. It's things like booking your holidays at the start of the year because you actually start to, we talked about ROI already in our conversation, but it's, we get the return from a holiday as soon as we book it because we start to anticipate and we start to look forward to it. And as I mentioned, I'm doing a few retreats next year. And so many people who are coming in those retreats have messaged me saying, this retreat is keeping me going. Like just knowing that this is coming up next year, mm. I already feel like I've invested in myself and it's keeping me going during the, the difficult times. So I think, yeah, that book was really transformational because there's so many little things that I've realized that I still do when I read that book 10 years ago. And I, I've touched on it a few times over the years, but um, I think that was a really good one. And I think it's a good thing to teach our children that it's okay to do things differently. We don't have to do everything just because X, Y, Z person is doing it. So yeah, that's definitely one I put on. And it's a tiny book. It's There's a page per tip. I think there's about 50 tips in there, but I think that's that's a really great one. I think it's on some hero. We'll link to that and all of your books in the show Thank notes. You. Melissa, just you asking this question, I found so many brilliant books through your guests sharing their books. I think it's such a genius question to ask. And I read one that a recent uh, guest recommended, the the guest you had about the mother wound. And I read that book oh, when I was in Bali. So and, and that, like, I could not tell you how much money I would pay to have the insight that I got from that book. So I love that you asked this question. So as a, as a listener fan, thank you for asking this question because I find so many books through that. Through that question, you oh, have. I honestly, I get that qu- so many people message me really? on social media <laughs> and, and they say the same thing. They're like, oh my gosh, I have the best library because yes. of that one question that you ask. So, do you know what yeah. you should do at some point is get all your, maybe it would be an annual thing. Barack Obama every year does it. He just does it on Instagram a list of all the books he's loved that year. But almost for you to actually, yeah. whether it's a blog post, just to actually get someone on the team to go through all the books that your podcast guests have recommended for the year and publish them as a blog post. Because I guarantee that would yes. actually become people's reading list for the next year. I do a reading list at yes. the back of all my books. And I know people who've actually gone on and bought like 12 books from my reading list. And that becomes, they buy them all on Amazon or Booktopia. And they get them delivered like as hard copy in real life books. And they read one of those each month for the year ahead. It's just gold. I reckon you should do that. I would definitely read that yes. blog post. Yes. I've got on on my blog, I've got books that have changed my life. So the ones that I've read, and I'll link to that in the show notes. If you just go to my website and search books, it'll come up because people ask me so many times, what books have changed your life? So I need to update it. 
I haven't updated it in a few months. So I do need to update it, but they're the ones I've read, but I have not read every single one that this, that all my guests no, have yeah, recommended but, yet. Yeah. But I will get yeah. there one day. It is it's on <laughs> my goals. it's on my list. It's goals. So let's we spoke a little bit before about routine and and things that you do to make you thrive like your affirmations and water and stuff like that. Yeah. Can you talk to us about your morning routine and how you prime yourself for the, for a successful day? I know this would probably look very different to pre-Lexi. Yeah. So what do you do today to set yourself up for success? Yeah, such a good question. I did you have you interviewed Hal Elrod on your podcast? I feel like you would have. He's on my dream uh, list. He's the author of The Miracle Morning, which is a book that I read. Yes. You, you know who he is, but just for listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. And that book changed my life, just the, the miracle morning and the whole idea of it. So the whole idea is like you tailor a morning that's going to set you up for the next day. So for me, I, I definitely, yeah, you're right. I've got a cut down version of my miracle morning. It was a 90 minute extravaganza before I had Lexi. And, and I do need to caveat this with for the three months after she arrived, I didn't meditate once. I didn't journal once, which I'm actually sorry I didn't because I would love to have captured those early early mom insights more, but I figure I'll catch up on that. Uh, but yeah, I need to caveat that if someone has a kid who's not sleeping or they're in the newborn, then I don't want to say trenches, but in, in the, the intensity and the, the beautifulness of that newborn stage, you know, I didn't do this for three months. Conscious thing you said to yourself, like, I am not going to do these things. Or was it just like, I, you just didn't, just didn't. I could have done them. But I feel for me, it was such a beautiful time. She slept in our bed for the first six weeks. I mean, I just wanted to be so in that moment, waking up, yeah. breastfeeding her in the morning. Yeah. Like I still look back and almost feel weepy. It was just such a beautiful time. Yeah, beautiful. So I guess I just wanted us to have that morning ourselves. We had a little morning routine. She'd have, you know, I'd, she'd have her breakfast. I'd have my breakfast. It was, yeah, I just, I, I guess what I really tried to do for the first time probably in my life is I just said, I'm not going to put any expectations on myself. Yes. baby comes I set myself up I had a freezer I literally got a second freezer and filled it with beautiful food the team was on board with that you know we'll just see how this goes because also you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if you're going to be you know potentially have a birth injury or have something that you need to heal from you know whether that's physically or emotionally you don't know if your baby's going to not sleep you know thankfully you know praise be we got a beautiful sleeper she was an incredible sleeper from day one not that as in she didn't sleep through from day one but we had a good sleeper so anyway yes it was a, a more a case of i'm not going to put expectations on myself and when she was three months old i was like okay cool i'm going to start meditating again then i learned in the journaling then i learned in the affirmations and it kind of built from there so to answer your question my morning routine right now is i will generally get up at about 5 30 6 o'clock i try and wake up naturally and um, Wade gets up earlier than me I'll go down to my home office and then sorry the night before we'll have juiced a lemon and split it between two really big mugs and filled it half full with water and put it in the fridge so in the morning I just flick on the kettle go into the bathroom go to the toilet scrape my tongue wash my face so by the time I come back the water is boiled and I top up my cup with hot water I bring that into my home office and I've got a little nook there on a sofa in the corner where that's where I do my miracle morning so I'll meditate for 20 minutes uh, that will either be self-guided funny after Bali I felt like it was so much easier for me to drop into that meditative space it was like it just reset my meditation but sometimes I'll do a guided meditation. I love Insight Timer. I know your meditations are on Insight Timer as well. And so I love that app. I'll use some frankincense. That's my kind of essential oil trigger to get into my meditation space. Then I will pull an Oracle card. So I've got two decks of Oracle cards. I've got Helen Jacobs ones, the little sage ones, and I've got a Dorian Virtue Saints and Angels deck. So I'll pull a card from each of those decks. That 
normally it's for me to kind of get some guidance for the day ahead. But what I'm actually starting to find in the last few weeks is that when I've got a mentoring session with someone later on that day, I actually am starting to pull cards that they need in their lives, which is really fascinating. I didn't expect that. So I'll do my Oracle cards. Then I'll recede. I've got a page of affirmations that I recede out loud to myself. I check in on my goals. I do a little visual tour of my vision board and and then I'm I'm ready to go. Then I'm ready to kick into Lexi mode. So if I'm up at like 5.30, 5.45, it means that I she normally gets up at seven. She'll normally start waking up between half six and seven. So I pretty much have a full 30 to 40 minutes just to be in my zone. And And for me, that time is really important. I didn't get to do it yesterday morning and I could really feel it. I just felt like I was slightly on the back foot, just slightly, not fully frazzled, but just a little bit not not centered all day yesterday. So so yes, that's what I do. For some people, I love to exercise in the morning. As I mentioned earlier, Wade, Wade takes that morning exercise spot. So I'll do mine at lunchtime or in the evening when he's home. So so yes, that's my morning routine. And I feel like that really, really sets me up. Yes, love it. Thank you for sharing. And I think it's really important when you have that organization and you share the Google calendars and you've had that dialogue with your partner, you and you can you can then tag team. Like I remember when Leo was quite little, he's now 13, but we would tag team meditations in the morning. Yes. So I would get yeah. up, I would make breakfast and get him dressed and Nick would meditate and then we would swap. Nick would do the drop off while I then meditate. So, you know, that's the beauty of being so organized is that you can kind of have these conversations and you can tag team and get everything that you want to get done in your day so that you're both thriving. Because this is the key here. It's like we want both parties to be thriving here. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's okay. Okay. I've got three rapid fire questions for you. You ready? I am very ready. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Just one thing. I think sleep. And I know that it becomes less available, especially when you've got children. But I know for me, when I'm sleeping well, everything just feels 10 times better. So uh, yeah, I I won't even get into it. I know you've probably done lots of episodes about sleep, but I think for me, I've just really realized, particularly since going to Bali and having that sleep reset, because my sleep was not good. And I've always been a good sleeper. So I think that time in Bali made me realize, wow, I can really create it. I can interrupt a sleep pattern by getting a bit of a reset. And, you know, whether that's at home and just being more conscious, I know since we came back, once I came back, we've just been getting to bed earlier, like being in bed in our bedroom by nine o'clock. And that's made a massive difference to sleep. Mm, totally. It's so important. I think almost Every single guest on this show has mentioned sleep and the importance of sleep at some point. So yeah, it is very, very important. Another thing that I know you do and that you're a massive advocate of is you do massive cook-ups on a Sunday. You do big meal prep days to set set yourself up for success. Yeah, that's a big, actually, that's a good point. That is something I'd probably actually replace the sleep thing if there was one thing. So I do a cook up when Lexi goes down for her sleep on a Saturday. I'll spend three hours cooking in the afternoon, listening to podcasts like yours. And um, I'll generally make, I'm, I'm trying to be a lot more plant-based since I listened to your interview with Nick, which was amazing. But I'll, I, even, even before I listened to that interview, I'd make one big plant-based, 
plant-based meal. So something with like beans and quinoa or something like that. And that means then that there's lunch or dinner for two or three days that that's in the fridge. I'll bake some bread. I'll make a sweet treat. I just, I've, I've stopped trying to wean myself off needing a little sweet thing in the afternoon. So I'll make a bliss ball or a raw slice or something like that. And, and I'll also ideally make a batch of smoothies as well. So generally by the time we head into Monday morning, there's quite a bit of food in the fridge. I'm making this new recipe. Actually, Nick might like it as well. It's a baked oatmeal. Uh, which is oh. so good. I was making with the eggs. It needs eggs and milk, but I've discovered flax eggs. So I used, I used two, anyway, flax egg. I So flaxseed meal instead. And I made that and you can't even tell the difference. And it's such a good breakfast because I'm badder like, like Nick. And, and I find that's yes. such a beautiful settling breakfast, but I can make a batch of that. And that's breakfast for like four mornings for myself, Wade and and Lexi. So just things like that, that health thing is really big for me because it means like today I've got a full day. We're recording this podcast interview in the morning and I've got a full day. And I know that there's a meal there that I can go down and reheat quickly before I go and run a workshop for business chicks after we chat. So yeah, it's the health thing and the cook up has been really, really big for me because you just don't have to think about it. It's set up, it's ready to go. And you know, you've got at least three, four days of meals sorted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so important. So thank you for the prompt on that one. Oh no, that's okay. And especially if you don't work from home. Like if you're out, if you've got, you know, if you're not home, like I work from home. So I am, I have my kitchen downstairs. I can go down there um, and grab something and make something. But if you aren't and you've got to jump out of the, you know, run out of the house to go to the office, then you've got those meals there. So such an important point. The next one is what's the one thing that we can do for more wealth? So more abundance in all the areas of our life, like not just financially, but all the areas. It sounds counterintuitive, but I would say rest. And I know I've talked about my trip to Bali a gazillion times. And as I said, it's not going to be achievable for anyone, but even a night away to reset that, that time away, I came back so energized, so focused and I'm not exaggerating when I say that based on what I've created as a direct result of being away that week and the plan, I could potentially, and I I am talking purely about financial abundance right now, I could potentially make the same amount that I made all last financial year this quarter. So it sounds really counterintuitive, but I think time to rest and get really clear on what it is that we want to do and get the energy to actually go and make it happen. Because that's the thing. It's all fine saying, yeah, we want to have these big visions. But, you know, as you know, you need a lot of resilience in your tank to actually go and make that happen. And before I had that week reset, there's no way in hell I could have gone and built what I built because my resilience tank was empty. Like I had full resilience fatigue to use Jack Delos's term recently because, you know, we'd just gone through a miscarriage. Moving, it was so many things. I'm not even going to bore your listeners or you by listing them all out. But um, that that coming from a place of rest, I think, was really important. And I know for me, I spent a lot of this year going, okay, this is what I want to achieve financially. How am I going to make it happen? And one of my spiritual gurus, Nicole Bayliss, who I interviewed recently on my podcast, said in the interview, we can't solve a problem with the same energy we created it with. So I think for me, mm-hmm. for so long, I was out there trying to solve this problem, not problem, but solve this challenge of, okay, how do I make more money? But I was solving it, trying to solve it with that same masculine energy. Whereas actually what I really need to do was rest, reset, figure out what the hell it was I wanted to create in my business and then go with the, go forth with the energy that I needed to make that happen to make it happen. So it sounds counterintuitive, but I would say more abundance on every level. I would say rest and, and factor mm-hmm. that in. Absolutely. Whether it's a week in Bali or yeah. it's three-hour walk on the beach where you don't have to be anywhere or do anything. I think it's vitally important. And you know what? I think it's something that I did almost unconsciously building my first business. And I think I told myself the story, well, I can't rest because now I've got a baby and I need to look after her. And 
I need to build a second business. And I've pretty much been really back in startup mode for the last just over a year as I started the second business. So I think it was something I did very effectively in my first business. And I've had to be a lot more intentional and a lot more committed to making it happen now in this second business. Mm, Absolutely. Now, the final one is what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life? I would say love ourselves. And I know that sounds quite superficial, but what I actually have discovered in the last couple of months is that I can't I can't create more love if I don't love myself first, because if we don't love ourselves, we're out there doing, you know, to quote you, I've quoted you so much on your inner mean girl idea. You know, we've got the inner mean girl in there telling us that we're not worthy. We don't deserve it. We'll, we'll be happy. When, we'll, we'll have more love when we either achieve what we want to achieve in our businesses or we meet the perfect person. And I've really learned over the last couple of months to find peace with myself. And, and you know, it's a, it's a constant work in progress. I don't think anyone could say 100% that they love themselves all the time. But I think it's very hard to imagine myself getting more love in my life if I don't love myself first. Because even if I did mm. want to create that love, I wouldn't think I was worthy of receiving it myself. Yeah, that makes sense. absolutely. It's, yeah, it's so mm-hmm. important. It's so important. Now, Lorraine, this has been incredible. I have loved, loved our second. chat so much. I feel like much. you're just sitting here at home it- with me. It's so good. I, I was actually just thinking, I really miss I know, you. I want to see you. We don't get to hang you. out in real life, but we get to hang out on podcast interviews. <laughs> I know, but next time I'm in Sydney, I will definitely let Love you know. But before we wrap up, I want to know, is there anything else that you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that I didn't ask you about that you really wanted to cover? I feel like we've covered a lot. I know, we have. There's a words, and I think just particularly because we have, I mean, a lot of this conversation was about people who are parents or maybe who want to be parents one day, whether, you know, that's stepkids or adopted or whatever it might be. And I think it's just, I, I just feel like on an intuitive level, I want to share this. It's it's just be do do it your way. Because I think particularly mm. when you get in, I mean, it's bad enough when you've got a business, everyone armchair entrepreneuring, you know, whether it's your granny or your... You know, I, I recently spent time with someone who said that their 75-year-old dance teacher had put them off this brilliant idea that she had, and she hasn't done it because the 75-year-old dance teacher said that she shouldn't do it. So I feel like I want to say, just do you, whether it's your birth, how you want to do your birth, how it's how you want to raise your children, how you want to build your business, anything, just just do it your way. And I think that's probably kind of closing the loop on why I said Simon Reynolds' book, The Usig Des Ag book, because... I think so much of what he's saying in that, that the the core theme is do you and and surround yourself with people who allow you and, and actively encourage you to do you because that's when you're going to get the success in your life. It's not by trying to blend into the wallpaper what everyone else is doing or trying to please everyone else because there's one thing you're guaranteed not to do by trying to please everyone, you're not going to please yourself. So yeah, I would say particularly with, and I, we didn't even talk about birth, we touched on a little bit and I know for me that was the most one of the most transformation experiences of my life is giving birth to Lexi and the the empowerment that I found within that. So whether it's birth or businesses or parenting or your career or your side hustle, I would just say, do do you, do you, do, do you and do you really, really well and, and try and put other people's opinions into the background because they're ultimately, they're not important, not as important as what you want to achieve. And as you said, with the one great life we have, it's not good enough to put it on, put it on hold because other people have a certain expectation of how we should or could do things. Yes, 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 yes. You do you. One of my favorite mantras. You do. <laughs> I do. You. I. Yes. I love it. 
Now, this has been so amazing. I'm so grateful for your time and for your work that you do in the world and you give so much to people. So I want to know what I personally and the listeners can do to give back to you. How can we serve you today? What can we do to serve you? Do you know what I'd love you guys to do is just recognize another woman in your life because I think particularly when you're a parent, so much of what you do is unseen. So I know for me, there's been hours up spent singing the same verse of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star over and over again because Lexi's <laughs> teething or she's unsettled or she's had a bad dream. And and I think so much of what we do as women is is we're unseen. It's unseen. And I think a lot of the work that you do, Melissa, and that I do, I think is about seeing women for who they are and what their their aspirations and their hopes are for their lives. So I would love for someone to listen to this podcast episode and go and recognize someone else in their another woman in their life for what they're doing. Whether it's the cleaner because she did an extra great job or your colleague at work or your EA or your daughter, you know, whatever it is, just go and recognize someone else to, for me to think that the amazing, the, the amazing amount of people who are going to listen to this episode, if they go and do that, I love the idea of starting a wave of recognition for other women happening as a result of this episode that, that fills my heart. Mm, that is such a beautiful thing to do. Well, I want to recognize you and say thank you so much for not only all the incredible work that you do in the world, your books, your events, your retreats, your workshops, but for being such an open-hearted friend. And, you know, from the moment we first met many years ago, you can really feel your heart. You wear it on your sleeve. You are such a beautiful human being. You care, you deeply care about others and about helping others. And so I just want to recognize you for that and say thank you. You're amazing. And I could probably take everything you just said, multiply it by 50 million and send it back to you. (laughs) So... Thank you. And, I, you know, as you know, from me listening to this podcast and the amount of times I've shared on my own Instagram, I just love everything you do and, and particularly what you and Nick stand for and, and what you're doing with Leo. I just, yeah, I love it. Massive fangirl and very, very grateful friend. So, yeah, thank you for having me on. This has been a massive honor. Oh, thank you for being here, darling. Wow. Wasn't that amazing? I got so much out of this episode. I absolutely loved her tips and her tricks, and I loved her take on mum guilt. Seriously, we all need to let that go, that's for sure. And if you got as much as I did out of this episode, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or in your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. It also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week and that I can continue to get epic people on the show for you. So please, if you haven't had a chance yet, head on over to iTunes and leave me that review right now. I would be so grateful. And then don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading what you guys get from each episode. It seriously lights me up. And it also, you know, there's there's a reason why I do this is because listening to podcasts and reading books is great, but if you don't implement what you're learning, then there's no change. There's no transformation. So by writing down what you've actually got out of the episode is going to help you implement the change or the transformation within yourself. So Make sure you tell me your top key takeaways. I would love to read them. 
And for everything that Lorraine and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 255. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best and the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. Because I believe that every single female on this planet could benefit from this episode. So please share it with them. Be of service to them and share this with an angel or two in your life. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.